The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Matthew. Now when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. He left Nazareth and made his home in Capernaum by the sea, in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, on the road by the sea, across the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to proclaim, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And he went from there. He saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. The Gospel of the Lord. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. One of the hardest things in life sometimes is, is making decisions. How do I know I'm, I'm making the right decision? We may call this confusion, but in the church we have a fancy word for this, we call this discernment. And discernment, especially in the church, it takes a lot of time. Anyone going through the process of being ordained knows this because at the very least, it's five years of 
discernment. It's a five-year process, or in the, Suzanne's case, it may have been seven and a half or eight years of discernment, praying, researching, studying, listening, contemplating sometimes, you know, it just takes so much time. And the church, it seems, likes to take its time. It takes forever. And sometimes it takes, uh, in order for change to happen, it takes forever. But there's a reason for this. We try to listen for what God is doing out in the world, and we try to listen for what God may be trying to tell us in our hearts. We listen for God. It's hard sometimes because we do like to solve things instantly. We, we like to problem solve, and if there's something that maybe isn't working, we want to fix it right away. We want to have a plan. But I have to say that the best plans always involve God, prayer, and listening. It takes practice, and I'm not going to lie about that. It does take practice. And it also takes trust. It just may turn out that the solution that you come up with in your head, it just may be solidified after we pray and include God in the process. So no worries, we still have agency, and we still have our own minds, and we still have our own ideas. So how do we know what God is calling us to do? Well, in today's gospel, Simon, Peter, James, and John, they seem to take no time at all. They leave their nets and their livelihoods and their families, as the gospel says, immediately. Without hesitation, they didn't stop to pray about it. They didn't even think, it seems like. They just said, okay. They dropped everything and they followed Jesus. They don't do anything of what I just said. But they made their decision instantly. But granted, very few of us have the charisma that Jesus must have had to have others drop what they're doing and to instantly follow without hesitation or discernment. It usually takes time to establish trust. Those of you who uh, attended our Dine and Discover class on Wednesday night, we had a great little group there. We had about 17 people there, and we had some food, and we talked about God, and I, I told a little story about um, my journey, my faith journey, and, and, and you who were there know that it took me a couple of decades to even decide to follow Jesus. But, you know, it did become easier and easier both to hear what I believe has called me, uh, I believe God has called me to do and to follow Jesus into unknown territory. And the more I put my faith in God, the more I trusted God was with me, that I wasn't flying solo the more we include God in our lives and in the decision-making, it becomes easier. The more we trust the call of Jesus, which is to return to God and to live in the presence of God, of love, of compassion, of mercy and justice, truth, fidelity, the more we can follow like Simon, Peter, John, and James did without hesitation because we don't follow just an ordinary human being. We follow 
Jesus. Just as Paul, in essence, is telling the divided congregation in Corinth today, he says in this uh, epistle today, his letter, he says, you don't belong to Apollos or Cephas or even me, Paul. You belong to Christ. You shouldn't be divided because Christ isn't divided. This is the church of Jesus, not anyone else, not any one priest's church either. A church is a community that follows Jesus. Now, if Suzanne and Mother Judy or I baptize someone, that person doesn't follow us, please, please. You follow Jesus, right? The person you follow is Christ, and, and, and you are called into this sacred trust in this relationship of discerning God's will, which includes using our individual gifts to do, as Paul says, to proclaim the gospel, or as Jesus says, to fish for people, to include others in the good news. And, and Jesus does this in the reading from Matthew today by teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the good news, and healing every disease and every sickness among the people. So how do we respond to the call to follow Jesus individually and as a parish? Well, it's going to be different because we're all different individuals. We're all different people. And each parish is a different uh, parish. It has a different, each parish has a different identity. So what one parish is doing over here may be one thing. And what we do is going to be different. But it's on all of us to listen, to listen not only individually, but to listen as a community. We have our, our annual meeting next Sunday, and, and following that, a, a week later, we're going to have our new vestry retreat where we're going to talk about some of these things, our identity, who we are, who we are now in this day and age with all the change that is, that is going on around us. Who are we? What is God calling us to do? And, and, and more importantly, how is God calling us to be? To be. I remember <laughs> before I made the decision to uh, go into the discernment process for ordination, I remember telling my priest, you know, I feel really excited about this. I feel like there's a buzz inside of me. You know, whenever I go into a theological bookstore or a library, and she just, you know, paused and she flatly said, uh-oh. Meaning, yeah, you got tagged. You got tagged. You're going to have to drop your nets and you're going to have to follow. So how do we know what God is calling us to do? Well, if when we listen, we get that that feeling inside of us, that feeling of joy or, or curiosity or a healthy excitement, or we feel creatively stimulated to build something positive, or we feel light and hopeful when we think about it, then maybe this is something to explore. Now, if we don't feel that way, you know, if we feel um, um, distraught, desperate, heavy, dark, unusually fearful or destructive, then maybe that thing is something that we shouldn't do. 
More often, there is this whole other level where sometimes things will seem scary or they will seem difficult, but yet within that fear or darkness, there's this sense that we might be able to bring light to that fear and that darkness. That is a calling as well. That's what Jesus did. Jesus brought light to the darkness, fulfilling the prophecy of Isaiah who said, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. Jesus shows us the way to bring light to the darkness, and we follow Jesus. This is the church of Jesus. Remember this. Scripture tells us that God made a covenant with us first with the people of Israel, then to all the nations, through the birth, witness, crucifixion, and resurrection of Jesus. He made this uh, covenant to never abandon us. And we, we respond, or it was responded for us by our baptism to remain committed to this relationship. And we deepen this relationship through participating in the life of the church. The relationship is solid between us as long as we return when we stray. In her book, The Way of Discernment, Elizabeth Liebert describes discernment in the following ways that I think are, are very helpful. Discernment is a gift Paul lists discernment of spirits among the gifts of the Spirit. Discernment then arises from God's gracious initiative. God will work with us in our decision-making. Second, discernment is a habit of faith. That is, we believe in a larger plan and we choose to notice where God may be at work in the world. We have agency and a role working with God. And we do this with consistency so that it becomes habitual. Third, discernment is the desire to follow the spirit of Jesus who is present in daily life. And we rely on the Holy Spirit to bring to mind that which we need to live out our Christian life today. Fourth, we grow in the gift of discernment through fidelity to discovering a lifestyle which demands trust, uh, which also includes failure and matures through self-reflection and prayer. Nothing is wasted, neither success or failure. Discernment also grounds the capacity to live a fully and truly human life. In other words, we grow in the capacity to live in reality as God perceives it. Christian discernment means living in such a way that the basic fact that we are daughters and sons of God shapes and colors our decisions, both small and great. And finally, discernment is a process. The bottom line is to prayerfully invite God in habitually so that we can hear the call more readily. Now, discernment can be scary sometimes. What, you know, what if I make the wrong decision, the wrong choice? But what I've learned over the years is that we often think in a very binary fashion. We think in black and white terms. At least most of us who are descendants of the European thought, 
brought on by the Enlightenment period of world history when mystery was abandoned for logic and scientific reason. So we think very dualistically, either or. Well, God invites us to explore the notion that sometimes there might be something in between the either or. If we include God, we will find new birth and a new perfection within our action. In fact, in the Episcopal Church, we call this the middle way, the via media, because choices may just be on a spectrum. So if you're ever in a place where decisions are weighing you down or you feel afraid to make the wrong choice, take a moment or take several moments actually and step back from it. Pray about it and ask for guidance. You can imagine yourself like the gospel reading today. Imagine yourself standing on the shore See Jesus calling you. What is he calling you to do? No one can make decisions for us, but God can and will make decisions with us if we first make the initial decision to follow. Amen.